Welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast, sponsored by our great friends at DraftKings and starring Richard Sherman. We're going to get into everything here tonight. Wait till you hear some of Richard's stories about playing against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. They are simply fantastic. We'll break down all the big games this week. We're even going to talk a little college football with Notre Dame and Clemson going at it. So without further ado, let's get to it right now, the podcast with Richard Sherman. All right, hey, let's get going on this because we're starting to get down to sort of the halfway point, not totally halfway point for everybody. But let's let's break down the two conferences for just a minute and just give me your gut feeling on where we stand here. So in the AFC, um, the top seven teams, and remember we have seven teams now going to the playoffs every year. Uh, Pittsburgh seven and zero, Kansas City seven and one, Buffalo six and two. You go probably is going to take a bit of a leap for those teams to not make the playoffs at this point, but who knows? Uh, Baltimore, Tennessee, and Indy all at five and two, and Cleveland at five and three. So the AFC is pretty tough. On the outside looking in right now, Las Vegas at four and three, and maybe Denver at three and four. But I feel like you kind of have a little bit of a feel in the AFC for how this thing might shake out. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you it's gonna be interesting. You know, I, I feel like if you ever get an interdivision matchup like Kansas City perhaps playing the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, that could get kind of dicey, you know, because it, 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 there's such a – it's a different dynamic. You know, obviously, Kansas City is such a dynamic and explosive offense, but when you play a team twice a year, you don't have the same fear and, and, and anxiety when playing them. You know, for the Raiders, they always play them tough, you know, and they played them tough again and, and, and were able to, 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 to win. Didn't the Raiders beat them? I feel like they pulled out that ball game. Yeah, they did. They beat yeah. him in Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so so that's where if you if you somehow the Raiders somehow snuck in there and got that got that matchup, um, it'd be it'd be it'd be an interesting football game to see. It'd be it'd be really cool. Um obviously Pittsburgh's playing as well as anybody in football, you know, and deserves to be the favorites. Um and, and will probably get the bye. I don't see them having any kind of fall off, but I do see the Raiders sneaking in there. You know, I I I see the Raiders, they've been playing a really tough schedule and um, got some, got some uh, going to get some um, players healthier. You know, obviously when they get Trent Brown, their right tackle back um, from the scare that he had, they become a better football team. But um, I, I really, you know, I'm really excited to see what they're able to do in this playoffs. You know, I was so impressed with Pittsburgh. We came on after our segment, George and I came on and did some of the picks and I said, you don't play a game like what Pittsburgh and Tennessee played just a physical war. I mean, I enjoyed the heck out of watching that game just because it was just two teams just trying to kill each other out there. I said, you don't come back from a game like that and put on the same kind of performance two weeks in a row. And we saw it from Tennessee. They went up and got beat by the Cincinnati Bengals Uh, and Pittsburgh. I go, Oh man. And they're going on the road and they've got to have to play the Baltimore Ravens. And, oh, my goodness, they did it again. They went back-to-back weeks with that kind of intensity, with that kind of hitting, with that kind of defense, and knocked off the team that most people felt like may well just win the whole thing this year with Lamar Jackson and company. 
they really made a statement in my mind with those two back-to-back performances so physical. Oh, 100%. And, and you have to – the AFC North has always been and will always be a dogfight, a dog physical matchup and, and crazy. And I think the way Tomlin even talked about Lamar and talked about the Baltimore Ravens, there's that understanding, that feel that, that I think the Pittsburgh has. They don't fear. They don't have a fear for what Lamar can do. They understand. They understand how dynamic and how at any, any given time he can take over the game and he can – but they also – have a, have a quiet confidence about their players and their playmakers on that side of the football, um, on the defensive side of the football, their D line, their secondary has played incredibly well. Obviously big Ben's playing well and, and, you know, can shoot you in any game. Um, Claypool has come on huge for them. Um, and uh, along with Juju and their running game. And I think that they're just built well, you know, they're built, they're incredibly balanced team. Tomlin's one of the best coaches in football and, and has always been, and uh, it's, it's definitely going to be, be hard to not see them as the prohibited favorites going into the playoffs. Tell me what it's like to play against a Lamar Jackson type player. So you've got those read options. You've got the NFL is really built around the passing game right now. Now, all of a sudden, here comes Navy or Air Force in a completely different offense than what you're used to playing against. And it's all assignment football. You know, it makes it very difficult. Uh, it's like just learning a whole new system. Now, for Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or Cleveland, they know they have to get ready for it twice a year. So maybe they know. But as a one-off opponent going in and trying to take on Lamar in that offense, how hard is it? It's really difficult because it's, it's rules football, but then it's almost like a bit of breaking rules. You know, it's – for, for a Mike linebacker, there, there will be an open A-gap. It'll be wide open and instinctively a wide open A-gap, a linebacker wants to fill it. But in this offense, when you're playing them, if you're running the scheme, we, then you have to bypass that open A-gap and get around. And so that's almost like rewiring your brain to say, hey, this open A-gap, ignore it. That's, that's freaking cheese. That's, that's not what you – because if you shoot it, they have the edge because it's not – it's not normal football because it's not gap sound because it's not, Hey, 10 on 11, like it normally is and the quarterback's gone. It's 11 on 11. So you have to have, they have a person for a person for a person. If the quarterback's running the football. So the free safety and the quarterback usually are the only two. They have a person for everybody else. And if you take two or, or cut through the backside and cut somebody off, then it's really, you know, they can get numbers on you quick. That's why it's so successful. And they're able to be very simplified in the passing game because they're so diverse in, in the running game. That's why, that's why Greg Roman is, it will be up for a head coaching job. Um, I would assume, you know, he was with me at Stanford and even then they would be incredibly creative with how they use the backs and how they use motion. And it almost seemed like we're running goal line offense the whole way down the field, but nobody could stop it. And, and the problem is even if you get an X on an O or an O on an X, whatever it is that you end up with, <laughs> It doesn't make any difference because just because you you got a cornerback or a safety or a linebacker in open space against Lamar Jackson doesn't mean he's going on the ground, you know, so now and you don't have enough numbers in this style of offense to try and assign two. So now you have no choice but to play man to man coverage on the back end. And the bottom line is if Lamar can throw it well enough come playoff time 
they're going to be really hard to stop. I mean, this is a difficult offense to stop. Do you think he can throw it well enough? Oh, I definitely believe he can throw it well enough, but you know, it, it, you, you, it's, 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 it's tough to argue against track record. You know, I can say, I think he can do this. I can think he can do this, but in the last couple of playoffs, you know, it, it's, it's kind of shown, you know, guys were able to, they were able to scheme it up and they were able to give him issues and, and create issues because in the playoffs, you've seen everything they have to offer. You've seen every trick play, every formation, the things they like. You have all the, the analytics. You have all the data. And you can really come up with a scheme to try to, to be very specific to what you're trying to stop. And I think that's been the problem is that when you have time and you have, you have the full, you know, you're playing a team like that and you play them once, man, they, they catch you by surprise. But when you have the whole season of data and, and all the film you, you watch, then you have an understanding. You have a, you have a feel for what they're going to do, what they like to do and how to stop it. And I think that's the thing. I think it's going to take some more creativity in the playoffs, some things, some wrinkles that they haven't shown in order for them to get, to take the next step. Yeah. And arguably they lost the best left tackle in football and Ronnie Sta uh, Stanley, but I was wondering, watching or hearing you t say that, is there an offense that you played against in your career that you just went, God, I hate playing these guys. I, I just, I just hate playing these guys. I, I it, it doesn't work well for us or our defense or whatever. Um, you know, there, there's been a couple like. One year we played Tennessee in Tennessee and they just schemed us up so well. Like they had the perfect plays drawn, you know, it's a, it, there's a difference between like having the perfect plays drawn up against cars and then scripting and, and calling the perfect plays when we're calling the perfect coverage. When, and, and it was just one of those days where, where their play calling was symbiotic with, with what we were, we were doing. Like, it was almost like they knew what we were doing. Like they knew when we'd run a certain coverage and it wasn't like, Hey, that we're just running simple cover three. We'd be running palms, adjust pressures. And it's like, they always caught us. So they had plays that our defense had no answer for, you know, or they, they'd run stretch G and, and you see stretch outside stretch zone outside stretch or crunch. Some people call it crunch, but you see that day in, day out. So we, we know how to defend that Arizona and Bruce Arians. I mean, he still runs it out there in Tampa. They run it like clockwork and you know, you're going to see it 10, 15 times a game. These dudes ran it with Derrick Henry and then pulled the backside guard. So it's like, Hey, I'm used to everybody set the edge down, down, down. And then me in the back and can I make the tackle or is he going to break it? You know, but this time I come around the corner and here comes the pulling guard and bang. And the linebackers are captured. And next thing you know, it's 20 yards down the field. And we're just like, bro, like everything <laughs> we've ever known, they, they have a counter for. So that, that was one of those days. So they knew what you were doing before you knew it. It's sort of like the Houston Astros in many ways. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just a little joke. It's just a little joke. Come on. We, we have, there's so many interesting things going on. And we talk about Lamar Jackson, uh, Drew Brees. So they're in Chicago this past week. And the weather's terrible. Wind's whipping. And, you know, Drew Brees likes to throw it short anyway. They go in there and knock off a really good Bears defense and put up whatever it was, 24 points, something like that. And it was like they never threw the ball longer than 
you know, I mean, they did. They threw a couple of 10, 12 yarders. But basically, Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. Here you go. Catch it. Let's go make somebody miss. I have never seen a guy have more first downs out of balls that are thrown around the line of scrimmage. And I'm talking about third and tens, third and elevens, big fourth down plays. They just get him the ball and get the heck out of the way. And they have an offense built around it. I mean, he's one of those players, you know, uh, he's a, he's incredibly dynamic, super underrated, you know, just earlier this season, you know, there were discussions talking about him getting traded and him sitting out and, and people questioning his value to that team um, in Alvin Kamara. And now you see exactly what he brings. You know, you can turn a two yard gain into a 12 yard gain. He can turn up. A, a, a screen play four yards in the backfield into a 45 yard touchdown. You know, it's, he's a guy that literally makes that offense go, you know, obviously along with Drew Brees and, and Michael Thomas, who's been out. Um, and, and it's been up to Alvin Kamara to, to kind of carry the load for, for these guys. You know, I, a lot of people are saying Drew isn't feeling the same way he did years ago. You know, father time is undefeated and <laughs> It's Alvin Kamara that's able to, 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 to keep the chains moving in those situations when, when everything isn't clicking in the same way. And that's, that's something that I think, um, you know, obviously he's, he's getting compensated for now. But, um, you know, it, it, it gets frustrating to hear people in pundits say, oh, the running back, you know, like, like, like this guy is not just a running back. You know, he's a, he, he can be their number, number one receiver while their number one receiver is out. He's, he's a ball carrier. He's a wildcat. He's the guy that every defense they play is centering their game plan around. <clears throat> How bad is it in San Francisco right now? I mean, when Jimmy Garoppolo's back out and they're saying now multiple weeks, George Kittle is <laughs> back out and they're saying multiple weeks. You're in a division where at whatever four and four, you guys are in last place in that, in that division, how rough a go is it right now? And can this team overcome this? Well, it's football, you know, football is a hundred percent injury sport. You know, you got to take the punches how they come and it's just unfortunate. You know, we, we, we lose Jimmy for, for some weeks and lose George for some weeks, but um, just like with every other injury, like with my injury, you know, it gives other guys the opportunity to shine and other guys an opportunity to showcase what they can do. Um, you know, we, we, we're excited you know, for the guys that we have, obviously um, we're sad that we're losing these guys. Cause I think we've lost 20 guys to IR this year, you know, and that's, that's tough, but, um, but you can't dwell on that. You know, football is too, too fast and too frantic of a game and the season's right here to, to sit there and be like, Oh man, what was me? You know? Oh my God, we're so sad because you can't be, you just got to have the next man up mentality. And it's always cliche in football, but there's nothing else you can do, you know? what we're supposed to do fold it in and, and wave the white flag and say, Hey, that's it. We give up, you know, and, and that's not what we're going to do. You know, Nick Mullins is going to step up and he's going to make the plays we need. Um, there's a chance Debo Samuel comes back this week. Um, Raheem Mostert, we're going to get healthy at the same time. We're, we're not getting healthy. You know, I think, I think that's the way football goes and, and that's what makes it a fun game and makes it challenging because, because it's always a challenge. It's never easy. And, and, wouldn't have it any other way. You know, you never get to take the easy pass. So we're going to fight our way out. A lot of noise, or at least a lot of conversation about Groppler this year and whether or not he truly is the answer. Make a case for your quarterback being the right answer for this team. 
Well, I mean, if I have to make a case for a guy who just got out of the Super Bowl, who just, you know, we just missed the Super Bowl, then I, it's 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 one of those one of those things that that almost gets you frustrated because there there are a lot of quarterbacks that won't sniff a Super Bowl, won't make it out of the first round, haven't won a playoff game in years, and you're not having this conversation about them because they have a bunch of regular season yards and, and you know, they're not in the NFC championship, AFC championship. They're not competing for anything. They're not even playing in playoff games, which are the highest pressure, high tempo games. So he has played well in the games we've needed him to play well. Um, nobody's perfect. I think at the end of the day, he's been incredibly clutch for us, really dynamic, um, taking hits, stood in there in the, during the pressure when pressure's in his face, stood in there, made hard throws. Um, but I think people, people want to, want to jump to conclusions, you know, and I think, I think they're jumping to this one. They're jumping a the gun a, a bit too soon. You know, his record speaks for itself. Uh, and if you compare him to, to other quarterbacks, um, you, you show me a quarterback um, in this league that, that has won the games that he's won, then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have that discussion. But um, there are people talking about he needs to be replaced after this season. And it's just, you know, just nonsense. Well, it could be worse. It could be with the Dallas Cowboys right now. That was rough. That oh. was a rough watch the other night. When you're down to your third string quarterback, that's that's a little rough to watch. Hey, we've been we've been there a couple times and we've we've been able to 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 be competitive. You know, I think I think these people are making Dak Prescott a lot of money, you know, at the end of the day. <laughs> no doubt about Look, it. If there was any question about Dak's value in Dallas, these questions are being answered right now. Right now, let's talk just a bit about the NFC here, because now we do have some teams that are at the halfway point. Others are seven games in. But as of right now, Seattle, six and one, Tampa, six and two, Green Bay, New Orleans, Arizona at five and two, Chicago and the Rams at five and three. So that's seven teams. That's how many are going to the playoffs. Oh, but wait a minute. Because right now the three, four, and one Eagles are in, and one of those teams, at least on the surface, are <clears> out. <throat> on the outside looking in, your 49ers, Detroit at three and four, Carolina at three and five. Is there something wrong with the system if a team that conceivably, we did the math on it this week, conceivably could have four wins on the year? Could it be in the playoffs and a team with nine or 10 could be out? I mean, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There's a lot of things wrong with a lot of things in this league that will not change because the, the powers that be don't, don't feel like it's necessary. You know, there are certain people who like things the way they are, you know, I don't know if it's nostalgia or, or simplicity or whatever the case may be, but it's not changing. So, um, so you may see a four win team make the playoffs and who knows, they might win again. You know, I remember before I came to Seattle the year before with them, you know, the beast mode run and everything, um, a seven and nine team beat a, I want to say 10 and six or 11 and five saints team in Seattle and got to the next round to, to play Chicago, a, a big time upset of a team that probably shouldn't have been in the playoffs, you know, record wise that I think there was a 10 and six team or nine and seven team that missed the playoffs. Um, but you, it, it, this is this is a system we're in. So I mean, what what use is there complaining about it? Um, they got that division. Their division is struggling. 
It is what it is. It is what it is. The New England Patriots. And we know Bill Belichick is a guy who <laughs> just going to tell it like it is, right? So all those years of winning and and it's, you know, hey, it is what it is. We are the best team. We are this. We've got the best record. We're this and that. Now they ask him about his team that's not so good. What are they, two and five, something like that right now? And his answer was basically, <laughs> we're broke. <laughs> we're cash poor, man. We we poured all our dough into those three Super Bowl teams and the other team that went to the fourth, you know, and, and got beat. And as my resident general manager, which you ascended to that throne last week with um, with uh, your commentary, that I was just wondering your thoughts on on those comments. First off, I, I, I think it's out of character, you know, so let me start off that way. I think it's out of character for Bill Belichick to make excuses in general, because that's never been who he is in, in my in my time of watching him. So out of character. Second off, I want to say they have the lowest cap hit. I think they're at 150 million and the highest is like New Orleans at like 250. So who are you paying at this point? You never paid Tom over 30 million. I mean, you barely paid him over 20. I mean, he was what, the 16th, 15th rate quarterback in terms of pay. It's not like you're, you, you paid a left or right tackle any huge money. What D lineman have you paid? You let Chandler Jones, who's still one of the best D, D linemen in football go. You're paying Gilmore. You gave him a little raise this year, but there's nobody in your secondary outside of him making over 10 million. You're not paying a linebacker. I'm just trying to figure out where the money went. Like every year they roll over money. Every year they roll over. Money. I just, I just don't believe that. And and that's unfortunate that, that he would say that, but it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like there will always be this discussion now, whether it was more Tom or more Beal, you know, and, and, and who had more, um, who deserves more credit either way, there were six championships won. So who really cares, but back to Brian Flores in Miami and what they've been able to do and what they've been at, how disruptive they've been, um, with their defense, both in the game they played against the 49ers and the game they just played against the Rams where, where the defense almost just took over the game. You know, there was a special teams touchdown, but it's like how big of hit was his influence in what New England did and, and what they did successfully defensively? You know, who knows? Well, the Patriots do have two team planes. Maybe that's where the money went. We don't know. It could be anywhere. Right, yeah, right, right, no. right. Maybe they're paying in a way that we, we aren't abreast to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it could be, you know, they get to spend their money any way they want to. Um, I, I want to go down a little bit of a list. This, this, is, this is our game of the week, okay? Our game of the week is tell me something I don't know about the following quarterbacks. All right, you in? Yep. I mean, nobody knows these guys like you do. I, I watch you even, not only do you watch the film, you watch them during the game. You don't even look at the wide receivers. You're looking at the quarterbacks. You're kind of seeing the receivers out of the corner of your eyes. I see you all the time. Do all it's that. something about eye contact that, that, that does something for them. You know, there, there, there's something about that. So your eye contact with Tom Brady, tell me something I don't know about playing Tom Brady. He's, he's much more intense throughout the play than most quarterbacks. Like I'd say a rod is, is pretty calm and like 
confident and, 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 and pretty carefree, but Tom has an intense intensity about, about his reads and about how, in, in a, in a sense of urgency, like you can feel like he, he knows the timing, like he's, it's almost like a franticness about his, his play sometimes where it's like, I, I need to get this ball out. I know where it's going. I, it's almost like, he's like, hurry up and get there, hurry up and get their ball, hurry up and get there, hurry up, get their ball. Like, it's almost like the game's moving slow, so slow in his mind that it's like his mind's fast forwarded to the spot where the guy should be the moment the ball should be out and the guy isn't there yet. And he's, he has to wait for him. Um, but that's why you rarely, the mistakes he makes it, is more of anticipation and, and, and something crazy, like somebody broke in a way that he couldn't have foreseen or, or he tried to throw a blind or something of that nature. It's, you know, in Bruce's system, the quarterbacks, especially the first year they play, it's always going to be high turnovers because he is such a take a shot. Even when the look isn't right, even when, you know, everything is wrong, he wants you to let it go, you know? And I've, I've been, uh, um, I've been on the other side of a few of those. I've been on the other side of, you know, th them throwing it up and, and scoring touchdowns. And I've been on the other side where I took the ball away, you know, but it's one of those kind of high, high risk, high reward offenses. And, uh, and so that's what you see when you get Tom, you know, it's a, it's this, this offense is kind of a, against his natural instincts, I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's going against what he would naturally do. You know, I don't, I don't see him throwing into to windows where he doesn't see, you know, a guy making a play very often, but in this offense, you kind of have to. Yeah. It, it's his average depth of target is way up over what it was uh, a season ago. And, so it's an interesting thing. I, let me continue on because um, Patrick Mahomes is the guy that captures everybody's imagination, right? We all think if we had unlimited physical skills and an arm that like he has, we could play the game like Patrick Mahomes. Tell me something I don't know about Patrick Mahomes. Unbelievably confident, unbelievably obviously talented, everything you, you know, but it's the details in the Super Bowl, He threw a, he threw a slant to, uh, to Tyreek Hill. You know, I was guarding him. I was, I was bailing because we were in the coverage and, and I broke and I broke before Tyreek broke. And I, cause I knew where the ball going. I knew, I knew what he was about to do. And as I'm breaking, I'm breaking to the, to the catch point. So I'm breaking where Tyreek's going. Like it's a slant. I'm be, I'm about to beat you to the point. And I'm thinking I'm about to intercept the ball. He's midway through the throw and pulls it back towards Tyreek and stops Tyreek in his route. And it, it, <clears throat> it, it, and you can never see it in like from the naked eye or from the camera view, but it freaking blew me away because I was, I was, I was almost fully committed. I'm fully committed to like, I'm about to intercept this ball and I'm about to go to the house. And I had to stop my full momentum and just stop and back up because I, I, I almost didn't understand what just happened. And I think on the play, you know, Tyreek like spent and uh, and dropped to a knee, and you know we got end up getting him tackled. But it was just like, what what just happened? Like, I don't even understand the dynamics of that. I don't understand the aerodynamics of what just happened. The ball was going here, and then it was there, like it was like a curveball with the football. And he has a he has an interesting like presence in the pocket, you know. It's never panicked. It's never rushed. Um, it's almost, it's almost chill and like, like, like a, like a beach, like a, like a beach boy. You know what I mean? Like a surfer. Like I'm just, 
I'm, I'll, I got time to get, like, I know this play is going to take a long time to develop. I'm not going to panic when I need to create more time. I'm just going to scoot over here and I'm going to create it. It, it is kind of A-Rod-esque, you know, because it's, it's what A-Rod, he has a, he has a lot of quarterbacks combined in him, you know, because some of the things he does reminds me of what A-Rod does, his calm demeanor, the way he just can, can create more time and create more space, but do it so casually and so nonchalant. Um, he has a little bit of Russell's escapability and like Tony Romo where he, where you, it doesn't appear that he even sees the guy and then he spins opposite and lets the ball go, you know? And then he has a little bit of like Stafford's like sidearm curveball, throw it through traffic. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch. And I think like you guys did in the Super Bowl, you know, you got the third and 15, whatever, and here comes pressure and you're almost there. And you think, Oh, we got him this time. And he starts that little backpedal thing of his and can throw it going backwards, whatever that throw was, total airtime was probably 40 yards or something like that. But he knew exactly, like even when he was talking on the sideline about when he suggested the play, he goes, do we have time? Do we have time? And he, he wasn't talking about the time on the clock. He was saying, do we have enough time for Tyree kill to go sprint 30 yards down the field? Look like he's going to run that deep over and then come back out of it. And I can stay alive long enough to get that ball out of there. But right. that backpedal and that arm strength is pretty darn rare. But it's unconventional. Like, it's, it's unorthodox. You know, if, 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 if the coach, you got one of these quarterback gurus and you said, hey, critique this play. And they're like, well, he, his back foot wasn't, his back foot placement was terrible, his, <laughs> his stance. But it's a, it's a Super Bowl winning quarterback making Super Bowl winning plays. And that's where it gets, you know, that's where, where these, these armchair quarterbacks and all this kind of make me upset. Because it's like plays like that. It's like, well, I mean, it's a great play, but I would have done it like this. No, you wouldn't have. Because you'd never been in a situation, you'd never be in a situation because you're not that talented. So how about you just admire the, the great play and just take it for what it is? Uh, we get Antonio Brown's debut this week. I can't wait. I, I mean, uh, Antonio Brown playing for Pittsburgh uh, did things that were just unbelievable, right? I mean, it, I, I, a couple of times he made me look smart because nobody can really see when it's man-to-man coverage or zero coverage when they're watching on television. I'm like, yeah, they're going to Antonio Brown here because it was just <laughs> automatic and he was right, going to win right. and he was going to catch the deep ball, right? Right. And And so now he's down and – the track record is a little longer. The civil suits are still there, right? I mean, this, this is an issue. He's living with Tom Brady, apparently, who has a little history of taking on guys like this and, and helping the cause. As a teammate, what does it mean when that guy comes in that locker room and this is a clear superstar? I mean, this is a guy that is just a superstar in his day. And now he's going to be treated a little differently. Now the word's out, man, if he slips up once, if he loses this case, if he like one and done, you know, all that kind of stuff. What does that do inside a locker room? What happens? Nothing. If a locker room culture is good, it should be no different. It may be different than what he's used to if he was getting babied, which I doubt they were doing in Pittsburgh and Tomlin. And that may have been what he like, that may have been what he was missing with the Raiders because they were babying him and they were treating him like a superstar in a, in a good culture, in a good locker room, he'd be treated like everybody else. Like, 
hey, you're judged by your play. You're judged by your work ethic. You're judged by being held accountable and how accountable you are to your teammates. And that, that is what it is. If you're a good teammate, you go out there, you work your butt off and, and your assignment sound and you're accountable to your guys. That's, that's what it will be judged off of. And, and if he goes in there, which I doubt he is because he, you know, he's a, he's a normal dude and expects to be held, you know, like elevated to a pedestal and say, Hey, my God, like red carpet needs to be, we need to clean his shoes with, with toothbrushes. Like I, I, that's not the kind of guy he is. Um, but in a, in a good culture, in a good locker room, he will be treated like everybody else. There, there's a respect level that everybody has for each other and he'll get the same respect. He'll get no more, no less than anybody else is what I, what I would assume. I always want to dig deep into your past for one story every week before I send you on your way. The Darrell Rivas beef or whatever it is that we want to call it. It right, kind of right, went right. back and forth a little bit. It was, it was entertaining. Two of the great ones of all time, two very different styles, two different kind of guys. How real was any of that? How, how, I mean, it's, it? a, it's, it's as real as you make it. I mean, it, 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 he seems to have some vendetta and I just don't hold my tongue for anybody. You know, I, I'm, I, I have no qualms against him. I, you know, guy's a great player. He played, played some good football um, uh, for the jets and played some good football for new England. Um, I have no qualms with him, but um, I refuse to have anybody disrespect or, you know, throw any kind of shade and think, it's, it's going to just pass through, you know, it's going to, Oh, this guy's just going to say something and, and pass through. And I think, um, I think that's how he thought it was going to go, you know, and it's not how it's going. Let me, let me just write this down. Cause I want to remember this quote. I hold my tongue for nobody. For no one. <laughs> not that, there we not, go. It, respect. It garners respect, Chris, always. And, and disrespect will get you disrespect always. That's the reason we have the podcast that we have, my partner. Right, right. boy. Yes, it's, it's always fun, man. I know it's a big night. The whole world's sitting around waiting to see what's happening with the election results. This is uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, and I, I hope I hope at the end of whatever this night is, America can get back to being America again. And uh, I'll give you a final comment without even knowing what the results are here. But I'm cheering for our country. I hope for the best. I guess we shall see. We shall see. I'm, I'm hoping for the best and uh, stay safe. You know, these are crazy times. Crazy times. Back at you. We'll see you next week, partner. See you next week. Well, football is in full swing, everybody. We know that. And we've got the NFL rolling onward with the Steelers, the lone undefeated team, and getting another win against the Cowboys this week, I would imagine, based on what I saw. Clemson and Notre Dame are facing each other, and no Trevor Lawrence, at least as we speak. The Pac-12 is back, and we're going to over the best games in the NFL, a slate that is really fantastic this week. And it's going to be all presented by our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook and their top-rated sportsbook app. The promo code is PFF. What is the promo code? Of course, it's PFF. And my guy, George Shahuri, is over here to explain exactly what all that gets you if you put in promo code PFF. George South Bend is in Indiana. I know you love to camp out there and bet most of your hard-earned salary, which keeps <laughs> you coming back to work, so it's good for me. I'm I'm actually banned from the um, the Notre Dame parking lot, so... <laughs> 
can't talk about that, but um, I will just say I, I have uh, I've made some investments um, through some different accounts. Investments, I like that, yeah. yes, it's an investment. That's what I think of it as. Um, I'm excited, I'm really excited for Clemson Notre Dame. Um, Maybe I'll get your your thoughts on that here in a second. But uh, promo code PFF, and it's a kind of a doozy this week. This is a good one. So DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. So you can risk $100, and they cover that risk. You just will not lose. So it's a win-win situation, quite literally. So whether that's Clemson, Notre Dame, you've got you know Tampa, New Orleans, a lot of really good games. We're going to talk about some good ones here. Um, and then on top of that, there's a bunch of great sign-up offers. DraftKings every Sunday has all these odds boosts. So you go onto the app and you know, you'll see some things that you get way better odds on than you would find anywhere else. So you want to make sure that you're ready to attack that. So download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code PFF. And when you sign up, you're going to get a risk-free $100 this Sunday. It's obviously a limited time. So you want to make it happen ASAP. And of course, it's on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. Bonus uh, is comprised of a first-time deposit and a first-time bet match, each $500. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. There you go. You're even getting good at those disclaimers. That's good. You're my new designated... <laughs> disclaimer dude man just, every commercial i'm in you are doing the disclaimers that's fantastic i'm just finding new so. ways to support my investments <laughs> investments that's right we have some interesting games this week i mean this is really starting to get good right and when the good teams are playing the good teams it's really fun and this week is pretty fantastic because and I, why don't we just start with the notre dame clemson game? yeah i mean here's notre dame and i was trying to think are they catching a break not getting Trevor Lawrence or does it work the other way? Because if they were to get beat by Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, mm -hmm. now everybody goes, oh, they're terrible. They're, they're out of the mix, right? If they win the game, they go, ah, big deal. They did it without Trevor Lawrence and what difference does it make? And then they have to go play him in the ACC championship game likely anyway and win again. So is this good news, bad news for Notre Dame? That's what I was trying to figure out, like who has to win this game more? And I think you're right that Notre Dame has that incentive because if they can't beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, what chance do they have of beating Clemson with Trevor Lawrence? At the same time, I will say this. Is DJ, and I will not even attempt to pronounce his last name, um, he played really well against Boston College. I'm going to make this claim. Clemson's backup quarterback is the third or fourth best quarterback in the country. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's he, a fact. He was like the top recruited guy in the country, so it's, it doesn't surprise you, right? I mean, right. he was in California, one of those hotshot high schools out there. He was fantastic, recruited all over the country, and Clemson got him. And here he is. He's sitting behind maybe the best player on the planet right now, at least in college football, and he's getting a chance, and he's lighting it up. Okay, no stunner, right? So, so with that, so with that all in mind, and you obviously, you know, Notre Dame, um, you know, Jack will be will be there. It'll be a lot of fun. I know NBC is is really excited about this one, and they should be, um, especially from a Notre Dame standpoint. I look at this and I I think to myself, okay, it's about five and a half six point spread here, and I heard that number, and I immediately 
I, I asked the person that told me, I said, are you serious? Is it really less than a touchdown? Uh, they said yes. And so I immediately uh, called my investment uh, broker and uh, we made an investment. Who, who, so who's favored? Clemson's favored Clemson's by five favored. and a half or six points? It's in Notre Dame. It's at Notre Dame. Clemson is favored by five and a half to six, depending on where you go. Yeah. Well, I, I see. I would I would never bet that one because I do stupid things when I do it with my heart instead of my head and all that sort of stuff. So I'm passing on that one because that seems too obvious to me. Right. But what do I here? So here's what I will say. If you're interested in this, um, if you go to you know pff.com, we have obviously a whole NCAA side of things, and I found this really interesting. Clemson is our number one power rank team. Notre Dame is number five. Sounds pretty close, right? What we do on our betting dashboard is we equate their power rating to how many points better they would be than an average team. So the Tigers are 31 points better than an average team, according to their power rating. Notre Dame is 20 points better. So you look at the difference between those two, it's 11 points. I look at that and I go, yeah, that makes sense to me. I don't understand why it's only a six-point game. But as you said, the obvious bet is usually the wrong one. Yeah, you guys have done really well on college football. And it's kind of where PFF has a real edge, right? I mean, having that much data on all those college teams mm -hmm. and all those college players, nobody else has anything close to that. It's college and props. I, I don't know if you've been following our, our pregame live show, but the Prop King has been dropping some heat. Yeah, you, you, you are the Prop King. I'm going to give you that one. <laughs> I, will, I, I need you guys to start a little earlier so I yeah. can – actually tune in before our production meeting. That I, would be I will tell thing. you last night I had Daniel Jones over one and a half passing touchdowns. And I told everyone that would listen, this is the one it's plus 170, really good odds. He throws one in the first quarter. I'm doing cartwheels in my, my apartment. And then from then on, it's like, he can't find the end zone. Of course he gets number two right at the end there. And uh, I woke up the entire apartment. <laughs> We have some good NFL games as well. Let's let's see if we can do a little speed dial on cool. this so people can get a lot, quite a bit of stuff here. So we have the Packers against the 49ers. And, of course, the 49ers lose uh, Jimmy G. They lose George Kittle, uh, Quan Alexander. You know, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is beginning to, to crumble there. And the 49ers are getting – Three and a half points at home. They, is that it, right? It opened at three and a half on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. It is five and a half, and that is a reaction to Jimmy G and George Kittle both not playing in this game. And, and that's the reason, and from your guys' standpoint, you guys make your bets on like Monday mm -hmm. or Tuesday, right? Because there are flaws in the line. Yeah, and then they get evened out as they go. Um, yeah. And this one adjusted quite a bit because no one really knew what George Kittle's status would be. Him being out obviously moves this a little bit. Um, I'll give you my 30-second take on, on this game, which is five and a half for the Niners at home, even with Nick Mullins, even without George Kittle, who last year torched the Packers in the regular season. I think he had it like 130 yards, 92 PFF grade. Um the Packers haven't changed from the team that got destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers last year. I think five and a half, six, the value, if there's any, would be on the Niners. 
and they destroyed them with their running game. So, mm-hmm. you know, assuming it doesn't matter who plays running back for the 49ers, right? They all average six yards a carry. So the one guy who might have a little something to say about this, though, Devontae Adams is lighting the world mm-hmm. on fire so far this year. 43 catches, no drops against single coverage. If you are foolish enough to go into single coverage against this guy, 23 out of 32 targets, 340 yards, five touchdowns. One of the great, not only route runners, but creative thinkers on routes that you'll see. No, oh, he, he's incredible. And if the, if the Niners, you know, they don't have Richard Sherman, who we, you know, you just talked to, but they've got Jason Verrett, the third highest graded corner in the league so far. That's, I think, kind of the secret behind the Niners. Real quick, I want to ask you this. Did the Packers mess up by not going and getting Will Fuller today? You know, because now you're paying somebody, right, Mm -hmm. that has had a bit of an injury history. Um, Clearly, I get that. But Will Fuller is one of the few guys that when he hits the Jets in the NFL, now there's a whole bunch of four, three-something guys in the NFL. When he hits the Jets – it's different. It's different. He runs by people in a way that other people don't. Now, does he always catch it? Not always. Is he always healthy? Not even close to always. But when he's right, if you could put him with somebody like that to just throw it up and go get it kind of guys, you know, he's one of those with the right quarterback might have a touchdown every day. I I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Um, okay, five and a half uh, is the line. Your choice. God, the Packers, have, have they looked terrible against Tampa. They looked not so hot against Minnesota. You know, who are they? That's the, I mean, I know who the 49ers are. I know what they're going to try to do. Um Five and a half, holy Nick Mullins, fifth highest graded passer in relief last last week. They they love you should hear Kyle Shanahan talk about Nick Mullins. It's a love affair. He <laughs> loves him. And he had that horrible game on Sunday night. So I'm like totally biased the other way. Where it, but maybe this is the one he settles at. All right, you talk me into it. I'll do San Francisco. I'll regret <laughs> it. All right, Ravens at Colts. Ravens trying to bounce back here, right? And everybody sort of ho-hums the Colts, who are now 5-2, and two, mm-hmm. I think, something like that. And we've got the Ravens with clearly one of the best cornerbacks in the league in Marlon Humphrey likely not playing this week, right, mm-hmm. because of the COVID? Yep, he's, he's not playing. There's no way he can so, play. So is this an opportunity here in a game for the Colts where if you want to make somebody sit up and notice you, they're sort of flying under the radar right now. But Phillip Rivers starting to get it going a little bit. They're missing their guy. What do you think? In the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. All right. Here we go. I am fading the Indianapolis Colts, who are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook, and I will tell you why. The Indianapolis Colts have faced, by far, the easiest schedule of any NFL team so far this season. They just played a 
Detroit Lions team. Now, notice I held the D there because there is no defense on the Lions. There is no. <laughs> what, what did you call them, Detroit? Detroit. The Detroit Lions there, okay? Okay. The Ravens are the opposite. <laughs> they are going to blitz. They are going to play angry. And you watched, I know you watched carefully this Ravens-Pittsburgh game. Lamar Jackson, they moved the ball. They averaged, they were well above the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of yards per play. Their turnovers are what killed them. The Colts, to me, because they're not that blitzing team, are not the one that's going to cause Lamar Jackson to have a bunch of turnovers. This is, the Ravens are still number two in our power rating, um, getting less or having to cover less than a field goal. Give me the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson has put the ball in harm's way quite a bit this year, though. Way more than in the past, correct? I got a stat for you here. We track turnover-worthy plays. Those are plays that end up being a turnover over 50% of the time. All their plays, less than 1%. He has 12 this season on drop-back passes, or drop-backs. There you go. He had nine nine all of last year. Like It's a a different guy. Steve Palazzolo, turnover-worthy plays. you got to give the author a little credit there for that one. That's, that's a pretty good one. Are so, you, there we go. So, who are you taking? You're taking the Ravens. Yeah. I'm taking the Ravens, too. I can't, I can't do that. All right. Seahawks against the Bills. The Bills are getting three points. Mm-hmm. Now, do we get the – we finally beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots hangover game out of the Buffalo Bills, or are we going to get – you know, a team that's ready to take that next step. I am still, I'm still not sold on the bills. Um, They made Cam Newton in that passing game without Julian Edelman look kind of good. Like that was the best that they've looked in a while. Now they get Russell Wilson, who has the highest PFF grade of any NFL player. They get DK Metcalf who's literally uncoverable. Like he, He's just uncoverable. I mean, name a player in the NFL that is going to be harder to defend than DK Metcalf, can you? If you got to name somebody, it might be his teammate in Tyler Lockett who put on a show in Arizona. Those guys are lighting it up right now. There you go. So um, so this one is tough because you hate, and, and maybe you can shed some light on this. So a team going, you know, because you travel all the time, right? Seahawks are going from West Coast to East Coast. That's tricky. They're obviously playing in a in a in a different climate, although the weather shouldn't be that bad. Does that does the spot worry you here um, with a guy like Russell Wilson and and getting Jamal Adams back, getting Carlos Dunlap? I I will say maybe because a lot of the magic of Russell Wilson are. Uh, and I'm not ever saying moonball again. By the way, that's his term, not my term. People are all over me for saying it too many times. That's his term. But we have, but he likes to throw the ball high. I mean, he really does. And that's a big part of the magic. You throw the ball high in Buffalo, it might leave the stadium. Hmm. I mean, I, I, the, the, I had whatever. I, my streaks are like, I'm so pedestrian compared to some of the real guys. But I had a streak of whatever, 50, 60 games in a row with a catch. We got to Buffalo, and it was rainy, snowy, sleety, wind blowing 40 miles an hour. There was no chance. I swear, we were getting beat by like 25 points. Sam White came up to me and goes, you want me to put you in the game and throw you a hit so you can get a catch? I was like, oh, hell no. (laughs) I stopped right dropping anyway. I can't even find the ball out here today. So you've got to say maybe, 
And it's the one great thing for all the critiques of Josh Allen, you know, of all he does. His hands are huge. He can drive the ball through some of that stuff. So can Russell Wilson. But the thing that worries me about that, that you guys are always telling me that where he's making a difference this year is his plays under pressure. And he's been fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. And that is probably the least or one of the least sustainable stats that we're involved with. Yeah, it's a great point. It's one of the reasons that he has not played as well recently, right after that kind of hot start. And by the way, this in some places is down to two and a half. I'm, I'm, um, you know, so might get it under field goal. But just to give you a sense here, his pass rating under pressure through the first three weeks was like 120. It's all the way down to 82. That's still better than average, um, you know, for Josh Allen. So, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. I just looked up the weather. It's actually going to be mild in Buffalo. It's going to be um, high of 66, low of 53, winds not touching uh, anything near 10 miles an hour. Oh, perfect. That's a different game then. I'll take Russell Wilson. Okay. We're on we're we're in we're in lockstep here. This is worrisome. There we go. All right. Panthers at the Chiefs. We have seen Russell Wilson start to heat up, I think, right? I mean, he's been okay. Let's you know, I think he had four touchdowns over twenty yards to start the year. Weeks one through seven. He had three last week. So are we starting to see that guy, that guy that Russell Wilson talked about who performs magic with his arm, who pulled the ball out of thin air when he was about to intercept one, who threw it back shoulder instead of front shoulder and when he was mm -hmm. going to pick it off. It, 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 are we starting to see that guy? Yeah, he's creeping in there. I would say right now it's probably he and he and Russell, Mahomes and Russell for for the MVP. I mean, Mahomes, one thirty pass rating from a clean pocket. That's the thing we always notice the stuff that he does off schedule, but like what he does from the pocket with Andy Reid's offense and those receivers is insane. This is a ten and a half point spread on uh, the DraftKings sportsbook. The total number of points scored uh, is at fifty two and a half. And when I look at this game, weather should be pretty mild. I, I like the Carolina Panthers offense. They're supposed to be getting Christian McCaffrey back. As long as they don't like try to run Christian McCaffrey into the ground, and I hope they don't after seeing the success they've had, they've had I kind of like the total number of points here because I'm nervous to take a team you know, against the Chiefs because the Chiefs are such a dynamo. But I, st I still think that the Panthers can score some points here. Ay, 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 They've got good receivers, though, right? They Rob do. Anderson, DJ Moore, they they have an opportunity. Can Teddy Bridgewater get it done, though? I mean, I, I, I mean, so you, it's like looking at the pitching matchup, and you got Tom Seaver going against Joe Blow or something. You know, can, can you really go, all right, Patrick Mahomes and Teddy Bridgewater at this point in their careers and go, oh, yeah, I feel good about that, yeah. Carolina. I mean, betting against Patrick Mahomes cannot be a good thing to do long term, right? I, I mean, what they cover last week? Nineteen yeah. points, yeah, twenty well, points, something like that. I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm just okay. taking the Chiefs. I'll be different. I'll take the Panthers to squeak through the back door there. All right, back back door play. I'm learning a lot of new words. All right, finally, let's do this one: the Raiders at the Chargers. 
the Raiders are kind of that, and and it was interesting. Um, Richard Sherman saying that if there's one team kind of lurking out there that doesn't give a darn about the Kansas City Chiefs, already beat them in Kansas City. They're at four and three. Came up with a huge win last week uh, under tough conditions. Um, is is this and the Chargers are the worst luck team I've ever seen. I've never seen a team blow so many 10 point leads in the fourth quarter in my whole life. I mean, Anthony Lynn's got to be about the, the loser's friggin' mind out there. How do they keep doing that? The, are the Chargers the Falcons? Like they're worse. Just, they're I mean, lately like, worse. Yeah. Um, th- so the Chargers are favored just barely by a point and a half. And I'm, I'm kind of with you here that the Raiders what worries me is the Raiders defense is bad, but the Raiders offense since John Gruden got there has been a top seven unit in expected points added per play. Like they have been really good. They're eighth this year. They went into Cleveland in awful weather, awful. I mean, terrible weather. And they out toughed the Cleveland Browns pretty significantly and won that game. Probably should have had a touchdown to Henry Ruggs that was weirdly not called a touchdown. They're, all they're doing is going from Vegas, where they play indoors with no fans, to Los Angeles, where they're playing indoors with no fans. So to me, there's no, there's no home field advantage whatsoever. If you said which team is better, which team is better on a neutral field? I would take the Raiders yeah. on a neutral field, right? So would I. I mean, that's, that's, so, but here we go. All right. So... This has been the week of, of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Everywhere I look, those two are going to be the two <laughs> you yep. know, starting Pro Bowl quarterbacks. And Justin Herbert, all right, let's, let's go good guy, bad guy here. So nine passing touchdowns on deep balls. Mm-hmm. He's tied for, with Russell Wilson. He didn't even start the season as a starting quarterback. That's phenomenal, right? But we just had this discussion. 618 yards while under pressure is second to Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. So my question to you, oh, great math guru, is this sustainable? Or is this just one of those start of his career, another like Josh Allen, big, huge, strong arm, get it down the field, big plays happening, or is this just one of those? It's gonna. This is gonna pass. This too shall pass. I there's. You're not getting me off of. I've seen people debate which one will you take, jo- Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. And to me, there's still no. It's still not a question. Yeah, that, it, we're not going there. The, we're, the, <laughs> Joe Burrow's the man. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm glad. Now I can say with a with clear eyes and a full heart that Justin Herbert looks encouraging. But if you are expecting him to continue to throw the ball downfield with the same level of pinpoint accuracy and results that Russell Wilson is getting, you may be a tad bit delusional. Just maybe a little bit, right? I mean, if he ends up being anywhere near Russell Wilson, that would be a real long shot. Um, he still has yet to have a game where he's graded over 80. And that tells you a few things about the level of consistency that he has. It's just not quite there yet. That being said, I mean, you saw Tua on Sunday. Like, that's the kind of thing you expect from a rookie. He, he looked lost out there. Herbert at least doesn't look lost. He's taking shots. Um, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. One of my favorite PFF stats of the week this week on Derek Carr is that 
from a clean pocket, which is sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's one of the numbers we like because that's what quarterback play is all about. Only he and Patrick Mahomes have no interceptions from a clean pocket. Talk to me about the significance of the math of that. If you are doing things in a situation that you can repeatedly practice, and that's from a clean pocket, those things are more repeatable from week to week. And that's what we see with play from within a clean pocket. That's always been something that Derek Carr has done well. His issue has been pushing the ball down the field. That's something they started to do against the Chiefs when they won. Um, he's the better quarterback, despite the flash that Herbert has gotten. Derek Carr is the more consistent quarterback. He's the one that I feel more confident in terms of what play I'm going to get. Now, I say that, and I'm probably going to be dead wrong, and he'll throw it away on fourth down or something like that. I'm taking the Raiders there. I, I've so seen bad. enough. The Chargers, they just find too many ways to get beat. I, this is my annual middle of the season. John Gruden is a wizard uh, part of the season, so I'll take the Raiders as well. There we go. That's all we got. A little, little longer. You're, you're getting more airtime now. We had good quality games. You had good quality stuff. PFF had some good analysis. And so you're going to have some good bets. That's going to be good. DraftKings, they're going to love us. Their, their take is going to be way up this week. <laughs> it's really, I, I have to thank my... Um, the, all of the the quick reads that I'm doing for your commercials, that's probably why you gave me more airtime. There you go. That's exactly what it is. All right, big guy. We'll see you next week. Sounds good.